the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 19, recorded December 9th, 2011. Horse hockey. Ready. AV. AV Week. Performing. Scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual information, news, and commentary. I'm your host, Tim Albright. With us this week is Kevin Iselli. Kevin is the Senior Curriculum Developer for Crestron. Hello, sir. How are you? I am well. Uh, we have a newbie this week. His name is Chris Tatton. Chris is a Senior Systems Programmer for HB Communications. Welcome, Chris. Howdy. Um, also with us this week is George Tucker. George is the Engineering Coordinator for World Stage in New York. That is right. Hello, everybody. Hello. And with me in studio is uh, Michael Drainer. Michael is the System Manager Sound AV for Tech Electronics in St. Louis, Missouri. It is a pleasure to be back, folks. Uh, this week on AV Week, we're going to be talking about Utz Baldwin uh, being out at Cedia, uh, AVI SPL being named the Integrator of the Year. The New York Times Lab has given us the mirror from the uh, movie Total Recall. But first... I would like to congratulate Andrew Edwards and Tim Snibel and all the gang at uh, Extron Electronics for landing a fine employee in Albert Pujols. They only paid $250 million for him. Um, oh, wait a minute. There's a baseball team in Anaheim. Oh, okay. I get it. Never mind. Would you get much more entertainment out of? <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice softball. So, uh, this week, CE Pro we writes and, hardball. Yeah, other and other places write, including a, a press release from from Cedia. Utz Baldwin uh, is no longer the CEO uh, for C, uh, for Cedia. Uh, Baldwin's appointment three years ago was a first. They had never had a CEO at, at Cedia. Uh, according to the Cedia chairman, Randy Stearns, he says, Cedia would like to thank Utz for his contributions as CEO, president, and volunteer in addition to his strategic vision of the association's future. Cedia wishes Utz the greatest success in his future endeavors. Uh, you guys can call me a jaded journalist or pessimistic or whatever, but me reading the lines... Uh, through there. George, we'll start with you. Does this sound like this was an amicable separation, or does this sound like, hey, Utz, thanks for your time. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Uh, yeah, I think it kind of sounds very much like the, he's going to spend more time with his family kind of conversation. <laughs> um, I, you know what? I think he did a lot of really proactive things, and he had a vision that evidently was not completely agreed with by the rest of the board. Um, but I have to say, I think the only the main reason he's probably at is because everyone's c- continued to confuse him with Gary Kay. Oh, those two look <laughs> like two peas in a pod, man. I was doing they it do. today, going. I was like, I was actually bringing the pictures together on my computer, going, no, no, they're not the same per. Well, maybe camera one, camera two. Have you ever <laughs> seen them together? <laughs> do you haven't? As best I know, I, and I not. looked for a picture of the two of them. I did my search. It's like no. Diana Ross and Michael Jackson from the 80s. Yeah. Mm. 
uh, Chris, give me your two cents. All of us here, none of us here are really residentials, but Chris, go ahead and give me your two cents of, of your sense of, of kind of what this means for Cedia. And they even say in the article in, from CE Pro that Cedia probably won't won't replace him. So is this a big deal? Well, I mean, you know, I work entirely in the commercial field, so I don't have a lot of interaction with Cedia. Um, but from re- reading the article, it doesn't seem like it's going to have much of a of a change to them. It's seems more or less that it wasn't working out with us, um, you know, where he was and, and what he was doing, and they just wanted to move in a different path, and really hasn't been working out for a while. So there's no real need to you know promote to a CEO. Like you said, they haven't had one, you know, for so long. Maybe they realized it just wasn't really needed. Mr. Iselli, how big of a deal is this for Cedia or for uh, us? I, I don't know. I, I can't really say that it's a really big deal for C, for Cedia. I mean, they are the, you know the little engine that tries uh, constantly. So I think <laughs> if they just keep if they keep their eyes on the prize and keep going forward, they might because uh, I know they are trying to restructure. I think so, I can. I think I can. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it is definitely a, a very big undertaking that they're doing. Uh, and and with the individuals they work with, it's you know nothing short of astounding what they've managed to accomplish so far. So is it going to affect them? Probably. I have a question about that. And none of the articles that I could find showed this. Why did they think they needed a CEO to begin with? Yeah, I didn't see that either. Uh, that was the only thing. Is that, is that three years ago they they said, hey, let's let's have a CEO and a president, and now they don't. So it just in my in my sense, and Michael, you can chime on here. I got the sense that this was a nice experiment that kind of failed. And that's what it seems like on, from the outside looking in. You know, I look at trade organizations like this, and, you know, not that I'm going to try a parallel between CD and Infocom, but I think that's what um, that's what's trying to do is kind of model CD after the Infocom model and become more of a uh, lobbyist industry representation group. <clears throat> And I don't know that that's 100% the vision of Cedia. Based on the information I was reading, um, I saw a lot more stuff about really trying to drive revenue and drive business and things like that between manufacturers and dealers. And, you know, you take the Infocom approach, and it's all about education. It's promoting the industry. It's lobbying for the uh, to the federal government and legislators to positively impact the AV industry. Um, I don't know that Cedia really follows that those same tenets. Um, I can't say that for certainty, but just based on the information I saw and it was available to me. Yeah. Uh, all right. From uh, s- the world of digital signage, over the last couple of years, Christy Michael Johnson, and, and in, in uh, a few years ago, actually it was two years ago, uh, s- Christy Michael Tiles came out to great fanfare. They've gotten 18 industry awards. Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you. My, my question is, is Christy Micro Tiles just a great product, a great digital signage product, or is this kind of a, a revolution in digital signage because you can stack them, you can do pretty much darn near whatever the heck you want to with the signal? Yeah, I think that's probably the more uh, impressive part about it. I mean, we saw this thing at Infocom, oh gosh, back when we were in Vegas a number of years ago. Uh, they were across from our GUI gallery, and um, the fact that they could, you know, angle the tiles, but you know, they basically just lock together mm-hmm. uh, with a little, you know, clamp locking system, and yeah, you kind of daisy chain them uh, all through a loop. And I mean, they're they're fantastic. It's a, it's a low resolution out of the tile itself, but when you start to build this thing, it becomes just this 
you know, scalable display that you can put into shape, form, whatever you want. Uh, and, and now they actually have it. Uh, this past Infocom, they were showing it with their uh, the. Uh, t- um, I'm sorry, I'm gonna for- forget the name of the company that does the IR um, capture. Or, yeah. So now you can actually use this whole surface that you build completely as a touch interface. Chris, so is it? it it's it's very cool to see them in in. Uh, as far as image quality, they're fantastic. Uh, their ca- color blending that they have a little setup thing that you do where they do all color matching from all the cubes. So you get this really cool, seamless kind of image with a very small bezel uh, so you don't have this big three, five millimeter differential between the cubes. Hmm. They're real, real tight. It's, it's a great, great product. Now, it's also not a cheap pro- product. And so I guess my, my thinking here, and Chris, will ask you, in putting these out into the wild, outside of a trade show, does a four thousand? I think the last time I heard they were about four grand a cube. The video processor aside, is that within the price range of most digital signages where they could take market share away, or is that well, hey, still you know? Tim, sorry to interrupt before huh? Chris says something. I, I I hear what you're saying, but think about it this way. When we started with Barco and some of the other folks that made LED tiles, mm-hmm. you know, the 18-inch square tiles, you're talking $17,000 a tile. Okay. Right? And, we, and we bought those up and, you know, up and down the block. This is a, this is a bargain. <laughs> well, yes, $4,000, it is a bargain. Yeah. Sorry, Chris, go ahead. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it, it's interesting. I don't think that it necessarily competes with a lot of the digital signage stuff. I think a lot of digital signage is much smaller um, displays, but it definitely it's interesting for the large format stuff. I've had the opportunity to do a couple of installs with this product, and I, I quite frankly think it's fabulous. Um, it, it really gives you a lot of versatility in the shape that you want to create, even if you wanted to create some sort of odd w shape what have you um you can do that and you can pretty much make it form and fit to whatever you need to um the other thing that's that's really great about these is that they they are a lot shallower in depth than a lot of previous solutions while still maintaining a really really small bezel and they are entirely serviceable from the front of the unit so you don't have to have some sort of you know narrow crawl space that you have to crawl through to get to them or, or, or some sort of strange um, scaffolding behind them. You can, you can put them someplace and you can change out one of, those, one of those tiles in the middle or any part of it entirely from the front, which I think is, is great for serviceability. And I think it's something that there are a lot of manufacturers out there that don't necessarily think about it when they, when they design products. And it seems like Christy really hit the nail on the head with, the, with these. So, Chris and, and Kevin, is it the flexibility that makes these so popular? Because I haven't had the opportunity to work with them directly myself. I think it is. I mean, you, you granted, you do, in order to really use them to their fullest, you do need some other stuff, um, like maybe like a Vista Spider processor, what have you, to, to really use that huge resolution that you have the opportunity to create. Um, I think by themselves, each tile is, is 720 by 540, um, so not quite HD. Um, actually not HD at all. Um, but when you add them together, you can create pretty, pretty high resolution displays that take up a lot of space that show just fabulous images. And I think the, uh, I think the company that Kevin was mentioning before is a company called float Four. 
Um, at least that's a company that we use that, that did like a touch uh, over overlay um, on a Christie micro tile wall. George, yeah, that's it. Are you are you seeing the micro tiles in the staging business at all? Anybody? Oh, a look indeed at these? we are. Oh, indeed we are. We have a few that we actually just have installed in certain venues that we now use on a regular basis since we're the house guys. Um, all of those things are true for the staging world as well. You can put them into any configuration. They're super bright, super detailed. You know, in comparison to stuff that's come before, um, you can get these very projection-like images um, in a space that's you know much much smaller than what you would have needed in a in a, in a previous iteration. They're really cool <laughs> to boot. I mean, to, let alone. And um, Chris's comment that you know you can access these things from the front. There are different kinds of rigging configurations, which literally you can just take the one out, replace it, calibrate it. You're done. I mean, it's really that simple, and it's made it very flexible to get these very high-powered, attractive signs in the spaces and configurations that you would have had a lot of trouble doing before. Okay, guys, so is this a, a live product, or is this a permanent installation product? Primarily. Yeah, Obviously, both. you can say both, but which it's one both, is it? both, yeah. Yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Um, D, I, I don't know. Well. I think... I, I don't see, I personally, um, w- with all of the installations that I've seen, I, I don't see a, an incredible amount of very large format video wall systems like that. Um, for a venue process, yes, absolutely. Because like, like George was saying, you can, and Chris was saying, you have all kinds of mounting options, so you can truss and rig this thing and fly it, no problem. It's pretty quick. Um, for someone who's, let's say, got a classroom, they're not going to assemble, you know, at four thousand dollars a cube. They're not going to put a, you know, ten or fifteen cube, uh, I'm sorry, tile system in a classroom because you know you basically have bought the whole building at that point. But yeah. um, f- for is it both? Yes, it very much can be both. Uh, but on the rental side and then the staging side, yeah, absolutely, it's it's monster. Oh yeah, and I agree. I don't see this going into say a classroom or replacing a plasma or something like that. But for large no. image projection or entranceways or that video wall replacement that can be moved around, even you know, roll it in, set it up, go, move it back. Yeah. <laughs> or, or again, for the odd designs, the odd aspect ratios. You know, you want yeah. something that's two tiles wide by ten tiles tall to create this this cool pillar. You know, there's really not yep. much out there that's going to be able to do that for you, other than this product. Yeah. Very cool. From Commercial Integrator, they have named their Integrator of the Year. Dun, dun, dun. It's AVI SPL. <gasps> We're surprised. Why are you surprised? Shocked. Why you got to be like that? Why you got to hate? <laughs> you got to hate because you don't have 32 locations and $500 million. That's why you got to hate. It's not a hate thing. What it? Don't uh, hate the player. Don't yeah. Don't hate the player. <laughs> I hate don't hate the, the game. Player. I don't hate the player. <laughs> don't even hate the game really, because the game is half the fun. Well, the game is half the fun, but it's just one of those things that's kind of expected. You think? Okay, if you don't know about, if you don't know who ABI SPL is, uh, they they merged at ABI SPL, two companies. They merged in 08. Uh, expected revenues over 500 million dollars this year. 32 locations. They've got some outside the country. Um, 1,400 employees. All of this is this. I mean, Michael's like you know, this is. I was I was going to make some kind of political reference, but there is no easy political reference anymore. So is this kind of like you know the 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 prom queen that everybody expected to win? 
uh, that's kind of the way I took it. Um, you know, they really, you know, AVISPL has got a lot of really cool training initiatives internally to bring their staff up to speed on what's going on. And, and you know, that's highly respected and, and commendable. But I really didn't see anything in the article that was like, wow, these guys just, you know, you had this really great job that, that blew everything away. It was completely innovative. Um, or, hey, we're using technology in a way that nobody else really is. They referenced some things about AV and IT. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of integrators out there that are working in converged IT AV systems. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really see anything that was exclusive or compelling there um you know I, i'm just not surprised let's, let's just put it that way it's it's like they're the big dog on the block and you kind of expect that somebody's going to nominate them as integrator of the year and you know george, like you said the prom queen george is this just about volume i mean is this the fact that they've just got so much worth of stuff going out partly i think sure um but, you know if you read the article as well it says that they have sort of cast a large shadow indeed over sort of in a region where a lot of smaller dealers have stumbled and or gone away. Um, so I think part of it is they're taking up what vacuum there was, they're filling it. And they've also diversified. I mean, they're not just doing big, big jobs. I mean, they were talking about digital signage and, and other things that they're doing, which seems to become, for those larger install companies, the way to make money. We've discussed this in the past, though, where digital signage is going to reach that limit, Right. Where it's the same as equivocal to hanging flat panels at a high profit. It becomes so ubiquitous that you're just going to be sort of handing out the stuff and not, you know, you maintain it to keep a little bit of profit. Um, although I do have a, <laughs> my take on this, um, <laughs> strap in, here we go. Um, that, you know, not to be Adam Curryish and develop a conspiracy theory, but. Oh, when please you get do. I like Adam. Thing, we, we like it. Go in on. the morning. You know, you know, he's Looney Tunes, right? <laughs> I, I, okay. I have fond memories of, of watching Adam Curry on MTV to, you know. Yes, but have work. you watched him on the, 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 the other, his own podcast? Yes, he's fabulous. He's uh, the crackpot. Yes. He's, he's, everything is a conspiracy. <laughs> um, so the not that goes that far, but um, I do have always a problem, a running theme of my life, with one individual corporation having too much undue influence on the manufacturers. My curiosity is peaked as to they're doing all this work. They're named the CI. They're gobbling up or taking up the vacuum of space that has been left by companies that have uh, have gone the the way of the dodo bird. How much influence are they going to have on the stuff that comes out now? And is that actually happening? Uh, and it's one of those one of those things that I'm going to keep an eye on because you know despite them doing very well and having fiscal management and fiscal uh, responsibility unlike <coughs> Roscoe. <coughs> Oscar. Um, they, uh, you have something stuck in your throat wow. from Chicago there. Yes. Yeah, oh, about man. That. Uh, uh, you know, that's not even funny because Roscor is actually – they do artwork. Their installations are fantastic. Oh, yeah. I miss those that's, guys. That's fine. They, they, that's, they, 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 they really were. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they really were. And where is the operative word here? And, you know, you could, yeah. you could cure cancer, but if you go out of business doing it, you're out of business. No, you can't uh. cure cancer. It's yeah, not profitable. But, uh, <laughs> sleep gives you cancer, remember. Um, so, I mean, at least that's my take on it. And again, am I, I don't think they're that ominous. Maybe they are. I don't know anymore. But they, uh, you know, I just, I see this one big megalith saying, we are this region. And I'm going, wow, that'd be interesting. We'll fly on the wall for some of the uh, conversations of we want it to be this. Okay, you know, but we'll only you'll buy it. Doesn't matter. Nothing against you and, you and Michael. Is this kind of, you know, the same hater thing about, you know, in the, in the 90s it was it was in vogue to hate Microsoft because they were the big evil corporation. 
Look, I, I don't hate AVI SPL. There, there's no yeah, hate no, no, here. No. There's there's no jealousy here. That, that has nothing to do well, with it. I know, it. but, but George is using the word monolith for crying out well, loud. Well, he is. He is. But, <laughs> that, but, that intones a certain <laughs> you know attitude. But in speaking to, speaking to George's comments, though, and I understand where he's talking about and having the dominance in the industry, but when you think about how big the industry really is, $500 million is not that much. Oh, yeah, it's a drop in the bucket. It, it, it is a drop in the bucket. When you talk about the AV manufacturer business, I mean, you take somebody like a Crestron, an Extron, Sanyo, for instance. You know, it's like Sam Malik said. Sanyo is a 200, what was it, 200 million? In just the display. Just the are, display are, are division, million, yeah. right? Okay, so you take that, spread that across all the manufacturers. Really, 500 million is not that much in the grand scheme of things. So you don't think they're going to have undue influence i don't think they're gonna have undue influence i think they're gonna get some special treatment on their pricing concessions and things like that due to their volumes but that's going to be expected of anybody that's doing that kind of volume. look at best buy for business for goodness sake all right do you think those guys are getting you know are they paying the same price that i'm paying for that stuff heck no they're paying what avispl or even less than avispl is for their products with the Epsons and the absolutely the just just based on sheer volume, and you go to the box houses and places like that, it, it's it the pricing model is going to scale. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Chris, should we all, should all five of us get together and, and start a, a box company? Um, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> I don't think we, we're organized we don't enough. Have, we don't have the capital. We're, we're, well, we're certainly not <laughs> organized sure. enough. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, the, the thing I took away from this article was you know it, it, it seemed a lot like. AVI SPL is the integrator of the air because they're the largest integrator in the of the air. Right. Full so does stop. that mean that they're going to be the one next year then? Well, I mean that remains to be seen, obviously. Um, but the question is, what 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 exactly was the criteria for determining the integrator of the air? I mean, as as was said, they they didn't say they didn't list anything that they did that was innovative or super creative or using technology differently. Um, it basically it, 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 the article boiled down to a, a business article, so to speak, not really an AV article. I yeah. mean, there, I mean, there is like something to be said for running piece, a good business and, yeah. and running a, running a quality business, absolutely. And and I commend exactly. them for being able to merge two companies, which were previously you know sworn competitors, and and, and make a company that is good and profitable because that's not easy. You know, I have I have friends in the industry that were on both sides of that merger. That are you know extremely talented people that you know now work together and and, and do very well, um, but in the in the end, what, what what was it that made them the integrator of the year? I mean, th- there are a lot of other com- uh, companies in other areas. I, I for one work in a, in a, a work for a competitor in the Northeast region that we do a, a lot of business and we do a very good job at competing with AVISBL in our market share in our market region. Um, we're not national, um, but that's neither here nor there. No, I mean you don't have to be national to, to compete. I, no, I got, okay, so absolutely here, not. So, so I imagine that even in even in you know their, their home office or the home area of Tampa, that there are other companies that compete well with them, um, and and you know out in other the major, other major metropolitan areas that might even be doing more innovative work that just aren't getting their name out there as much. So here's here's maybe a, a broader question, and I'll ask you guys. Um, you know, commercial integrator picked them for a reason. It, it may very well have been business. I mean, that it may have been hey, they sold the most most product. So let's come up with our own. What's what's some criteria that is that we're going to look for in our own? You know, Aviation Integrator of the Year. You're innovative. You're 
creative, you're what? You take a budget of 10 bucks and you give them, you know, a full Crestron digital media system with it? I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know who your rep is. <laughs> I have connections. Yeah. Me, me and Randy are like this. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, Chris made a good point. I mean, there wasn't really a checklist to say what, you know, what, what were the highlights that you hit that made well, you... Well, that's what I'm asking. What, what, so we're going to make our own right here, right well, now. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, you could probably put this to the same equation of, you know, you have a golf outing for a charity, and the guy who donated the most money just so happened to win the whole brand new set of Callaways. It was coincidental, of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yes. Of course. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But of course. You guys have been drinking way too much Kool-Aid. <laughs> we'll have to do a whole show just on what makes an integrator the integrator. Well, of the no, that's what, I guess that's what I'm asking. Give me something here. Take business aside. Give me somebody in Boise, Idaho, who is the most creative guy, most creative integrator. You know, it's a house of it's a it's a it's a five person house or, you know, it's, you know, Tech Electronics in, in, in St. Louis who you've got you know, more than just one location. But, you know, they're 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 a part of a bigger organization and, and AV is part of what you do or, you know, whatever. I, I don't know, you know, Chris's Chris's company, you know, in, in, in the Northeast. What makes a, an integrator a good integrator? To be honest with you, I think one of the things that you really have to focus on if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about creativity is, is the software side of, of integration. Um, you know, product is product. You know, I can buy DM, AVI, SBL can buy DM. Smaller integrators throughout the company or throughout the country can buy DM. They can all buy product, maybe not at the same price point, but in the end, what makes a good integration when you take all of that product and you stuff it? in the closet and close the door and then put the end user out there the w- what's in front of the end user is the software you know that the integrator actually you know creates to to run that space you know and you can take the exact same system design wise and if you put terrible software behind it, it it's not a good system so you- meanwhile you can take a a system that might not look fabulous you know on paper as far as the wire drawings go but if you put really slick software in front of it that makes it a breeze to use, it, it's per, and it's perfectly integrated into the client's workflow, I mean, that's what really, I think, makes a great integration project. So everything yeah, comes depends. down I'm to sorry. the programmer and the, design, the, the graphic designer. Well, it also depends on which, which side of the fence you want to talk about. Like what makes a good integrator from a manufacturer's side of you? Right. right? What makes it from the end, end user's point yeah. of view? There's there's all different you know points of view of what makes a great integrator, right? No, that's valid. Yeah, we could debate that all day long. It, it would have been nice in the article for some some good solid reporting to at least have indicated okay what was the criteria that you used to determine this. I think that's the only thing I was looking for because like I said it, it came across as a promotion piece to me, um, and nothing against AVI SPL. I've seen some of their work. I've seen some great work. I've seen some bad work. But right? I've seen that with all integrators. Um, you know, it, nobody's perfect out there. But at least tell me why you're you're giving them that nomination. I just didn't see that in the article. So. All right, you're listening to AV Week with Kevin Iacelli from Crestron, Chris Tatton from HB Communications, Michael Drano there from Tech Electronics, and George Tucker from World Stage. We're going to step away for a second, guys, and go and do our AV Week job of the week. Hi, this is Pat Dooley from AV Jobs in the UK. Um, pleased to be talking to Tim today, and we have a job of the week 
which is an education sales consultant, someone who's experienced in selling audiovisual products into the educational field in the UK. Um, the company we're working on behalf of have a fantastic product, which is a high margin product, which schools definitely want and are definitely buying. Um, so it's an opportunity to make some really good money. Um, and also, if you have contacts within education, then you'll really hit the ground running. They, they have vacancies within the UK, in the East Midlands, West Midlands and the North, um, both Northwest and Yorkshire. Um, if you want to apply for any of these, please give us a call on 0844 849150 or email pat at avjobs.co.uk or check it out on our website www.avjobs.uk. Look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Marty Raymond from avjoblistings.com with this week's Job of the Week here on AV Week. This week, we're highlighting a job from Crestron out of the Seattle area. Uh, they're looking for a, a senior applications engineer. And the job basically is someone who will support their dealer and partner network uh, via phone and site visits, someone who will mock up their customer systems in an effort to reproduce and document reported issues, and assist development engineering with the testing of new software modules, develop new software and macros and modules, and provide feedback to the development engineering to help Crestron produce even better solutions and products for their customers. So Crestron is looking for someone in the Seattle area. And if you're interested in this position, please visit our website at avjoblistings.com, where you can find this job listed as well as other jobs. And you can scroll through. And when you do click on the job, at the bottom part of the, uh, of the page, you will notice that there is a how to apply portion. And that will give you all the instructions on applying for the particular job. And again, my name is Marty Raymond with, from avjoblistings.com. And you're listening to the Job of the Week on AV Week podcast. You're listening to AV Week with Kevin Iselli from Crestron, Michael Drainer from Technical Electronics, George Tucker from World Stage, and Chris Tatton from HB Communications. From System Contractors News, Karen Mitchell writes about this brand new market guys it's 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 brand new they just discovered it <laughs> it's never existed before it's called house of worship that's oh funny. i thought it was how it's how we have how, a, it's how, how do you get the business right oh i got <laughs> oh. i'm sorry i totally missed that <laughs> really i missed that i did miss that how you get the business okay so how michael do you get the business by selling analog matrix switchers. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Explain so, yourself. Or, so or Kevin, explain for, himself. For, for our, our guests, uh, I'll let Kevin explain this in greater detail. Kevin and I were having a conversation before the show. So, Kevin? Well, we, uh, we, as reading the article, it was very fascinating to go through what, you know, what they were talking about as far as digital deployment and making sure that everything is, you know, ready for next generation. And then they, uh, of course, they, they give a shout out to a lot of the integrate or a lot of manufacturers that make products and, uh, lists like the RGB spectrum and Lona and Pesa and all these folks. And they're showing all of their digital products. And then you get to the Crestron product and it happens to be our analog RGB HV switcher, but you guys which don't I, make digital. I thought, uh, 
Yeah, like as, as if we don't know what digital is. Uh, we invented the whole technology. Thank you. Anyways, but, uh, you know, it, it was, was kind of What was your title again? Senior Curriculum Developer. What does that mean? That's correct. Um, well, it means that three years ago I wrote classes to teach the you know teach um, our integrators and, and end users about the whole uh, emergence of digital technology. And it started with our digital media product line. So um, it's kind of hard to miss a product line that generates so – 120 million dollars worth of revenue and it didn't even show up in their article so yeah that's okay. cute so now that we've ripped the poor author of this article <laughs> and I, you know um let's talk about the actual article and, and here's something that that's near and dear to my heart michael and i and, and, and matt our buddy matt scott started a, another arm of of av nation called howcast talking about uh, really about this very thing uh, churches have a unique have a unique footprint they have a unique use case uh from whether it's streaming, you know, making CDs, making making their media available, making what happens on Sundays or, or Saturdays, whenever their, their service is, available to more than just the people outside the four walls. So, George, all kidding aside, how how do <laughs> integrators get? I'm gonna stop that. In what process would it be possible to get the business for houses of worship? I'm sorry, I was laughing so hard I didn't actually hear the question. <laughs> Never mind. No, ask me, ask me, ask no, me. No, I can't because I can't say it without saying how, and I can't do that. And, <laughs> without laughing. Yeah. In what process would it be possible for someone to acquire the business of the houses of worship? Well, I can tell I, you, just cutting off George for a second, um, what my personal experience as a former uh, designer or you know con- um, consultant, the best way to get that business is to actually be a member of the parish. Um, because one of the jobs that I did for, well, ended up doing, I'm sorry, for a, a pretty sizable uh, parish, uh, it was an end result of, it, it, just so you guys get a background, it was 4,000 seat approximately um, um, parish auditorium, if you will. And uh, one of the parishioners basically said uh, that they would design the AV technology for them. Uh, and they wanted to do things like, you know, uplink and broadcast and all that. And he said the budget would probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of $35,000. <laughs> wow. And, th- and Kevin, understand for a second. How? Hang How's on, he going to do that? Hang on for a second. How? That I don't Kevin, know how. <laughs> understand Kevin hasn't been designing for an actual integrator in how many years? Oh, gosh. Um, coming up on six. Well, this is important because six years ago, you couldn't have probably purchased a camera for $36,000. No. Oh, no, absolutely now, not. Nowadays, you can with, you know, not, not, all kidding aside with other people's, uh, with, with Crestron switchers or, or whoever else's switchers. Or if you're just doing broadcast, I am personally a big fan of New Tech. Uh, I think that New Tech provides a reasonably priced box, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a video truck in a box, really. For entry level broadcast stuff, and I would say entry level production. I would, I would say broadcast, and there's there's a reason why. I mean, ESPN.com uses a new tech product. Uh, Leo Laporte, one of one of mm-hmm. my you know internet netcasting heroes, uses a new tech product. Mm-hmm. I would call that broadcasting. Why wouldn't you? I call it netcasting. I'm gonna hit you with something. <laughs> well, let's, all, let me just all ask kidding. All kidding aside, though, uh, go ahead. Who who is so, it, Chris? Well, or, no, let me Kevin? ask the question though, Tim. You're talking about a, let's say, an entry level broadcast, and and are we talking about a mobile, a truck? You're gonna wheel it up, get uplink you format. You could, but no, we, you could, but my, but here's why I call it entry level. and I call it broadcast because they have a, a box that's less than ten thousand dollars that you can get 
uh, full, you can get full uh, component video into from a component camera. Um, that's why I call it broadcast. You, you've got lower thirds in it. You have transitions. You have the ability to stream straight from that box or spit it out to something else. Again, compo- component. For a little bit more than $10,000, you can go SDI, which my buddy Michael is, you know, a big fan of SDI. You know, it's... Oh, it's Michael. Yeah, I know. He's, he's, he's soft in the head. Um, <laughs> so that's a broad... To me, that's a broadcast quality. But you're, but you're also missing what about the front end? What about the DSKs? What right. about the broadcast switcher? What about... You know, that's not just a 12... You're looking at no, a single No, but that's box. in there. That's in there, though. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah, the yeah, DSK yeah. is in there. Everything's in there. Yeah, well, yeah and, and, yeah. Fr- and from, a, from a one-stop shop solution, a box, a studio in a box, you know, the new tech product is very hard to beat. But even the article talks about the fact that um, what they found in their research is that traditional switching consoles are still the preferred method. Absolutely. When you go to a two or three yes. ME switcher, you can use your downstream mm-hmm. keyers because it gives the operator to, the ability to work in a physical environment and physically see what's going on. Yes, okay? absolutely. So from, if, if just getting into the business, okay, a new tech product is probably a good way to go. And for web applications such as ours and Twit and some of the others that are out there, ESPN.com where you're doing a lot of streaming, you need the mobility, you need the flexibility – it's a good product for that. But you're talking about an environment where you have volunteers. They're not tech-savvy people. You need to be able to put them down in front of this switcher. And I can see the grin on your face, and I wish you guys could see him right now because he's going to come out like a shotgun here in a minute. Well, go ahead. Because we debate this all the time. Um, I want to be able to set a TD down in front of a switcher and say, here's your camera buttons. All you got to do is worry about this. Do what the director tells you to do, right? You give them some training, and away they go. Um, you don't have to give them complete comprehensive systems training on how to handle your downstream keys, how to do your graphics overlays, how to handle the camera switching, which with the studio in the box, you've got to be able to handle all that at one time. Where in your traditional production environment, you have different roles, different responsibilities. You get you get more finite sets of skills that are required from the individuals, thereby spreading out the load. So when you get into these bigger productions, I think you have to have greater infrastructure to support it. A from a quality standpoint, B from an efficiency standpoint. And and a bigger production, I would I would probably grant you because you're talking about bigger budgets. You're talking about some type of full-time staff. But what do you classify as a big production? Because, uh, you know, our home church here, we do three-camera shoots. We have television station, mm-hmm. right? We've got our own television channel on the local charter network, right? But I venture to say that the production quality is not up to par with what we would consider broadcast quality. Yes. Okay. Now, why is that? Cameras. <laughs> oh, boy. George... <laughs> And the reason I'm saying that is, you know, we use a new tech product, right? And it's not about the product. It's about it's a combination of product, expertise, quality of gear, quality of production, experience. All those things come into play into building a broadcast, what I consider a broadcast quality production. Now, bear in mind, my perspective is a little bit biased. I come from broadcast television. I built television stations for six years. I've worked in the studio environment, you know, three-chip Ikigami cameras, Grass Valley 3ME switchers, Encore routers, all HDSD. Oh, see, now he's talking you know, geek. I've, yeah. I've yeah. So, me, so, yeah. so what I'm saying, though, is it's, it's a whole different level. Now, going back to what you were saying on the budget, yes, you can do a whole lot more with a whole lot less these days. I have seen some amazing quality come from $3,000, $5,000 cameras, right? People like Mythbusters using little Sony, yeah. you know, handheld sure. HD cameras, and they look fabulous. There's nothing wrong with that. But, Michael, so, you said something very important. Um, you can do a whole lot more with a whole lot less. However, 
um, there are still some, I'll just call it primary basal functions that that can't be accomplished in one box, and you have to spread that out to more of your technicians and the people and the operators. Right. I mean, when you say that you could do a mobile, you know, uh, using their product, and I'm not bashing the product, it's cool. No, mm-hmm. I, I get it. Uh, and you, it's $12,000. That's fine. Uh, but, you know, ESPN still has a truck, uh, you know, a 50-foot or 54-foot trailer that they wheel up to a stadium to do uplink, right? And that's not even the dish itself. No. But the satellite side, that's totally, you know, something different. Those trucks are still, gosh, what, 1.2, 1.3 million? Oh, easily. On a good day, yeah. yes. Easily, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we have all these new widgets, and I think these widgets are kind of fitting specific um, – I'm going to use the term hobbyists, right? Because with every hobby, you have different levels of of um, of your investment, so to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can get you know a, a nice little Sony handy cam that'll get you a nice 720 picture, and then you can move that up into the Canon, and and you just keep progressing all the way up until all of a sudden your camera costs more than you know your first home. Um, <laughs> yeah, or the lens that, costs more than your first home. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. think of, think of first when they first came out with the Beta Deck, right? I mean, that thing was thirty four thousand dollars. Oh yeah, it was fabulous too. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing, and it was like I told my wife this, and she's like, "Yeah, we're not buying that." Because uh, <laughs> she always thinks everything I ever tell her about, she always thinks that I'm telling her because I want one. Yeah. <laughs> which which well, usually, well, she's usually right. Through, yeah, right. Well, yeah, but yeah. So there's there's different uh, there's different avenues and different levels of the integration. The point I was trying to make with with um, the parishioner of before. They chose him because he had run sound for their um, the gymnasium. Uh, so obviously he was an expert in the industry <laughs> and uh, could figure out that you know thirty five thousand dollars was enough for a four thousand seat parish. And um, could you do that today? No, <laughs> you couldn't do it back then. You can't do it today. I mean, you're talking about a a front of house mix board that's going to cost you more than that. Right, right. I, I do want to go back and address Tim's root question, though, and that is how do you become successful in the house of worship market as an AV integrator? Oh, and, I forgot the question. Yeah, I did, too. I was yeah, getting yeah, off yeah, tech because, because I was sitting here reading through the article. I was like, we're talking about new tech, but I don't even see where they were even mentioned in the article. You know, what they're really talking about is all the infrastructure products that we've been discussing, Kevin. Um, but, but to answer the, the, the first question, it, what I have found with House of Worship is you really have to become a consultative partner with them to be successful in that environment. Your sales cycle is long. It is, it is daunting. Um, and you have to really become a trusted resource before they're going to spend their time and their money with you. Um, it takes a lot of effort to do so. And to Kevin's um, uh, comment if you have involvement with those organizations, sometimes it gets you someplace. Sometimes it doesn't. It can work against sure. you as well. Because um, doing business with someone you're close to, it's not always a good thing, um, even though you might be the best one to do that work. And I've, I've experienced that firsthand on a couple of different occasions. Um, but, uh, you know, house of worship is very unique. Their needs are unique. And the article even talks about this, that sometimes that production environment is more intense, more complex and more intricate than even some of your production studios that are producing commercial content. Um, the demands of the live environment are extremely great. And when you're dealing with, you know, maybe one full-time person and a bunch of volunteers and trying to put together a quality broadcast with whatever the gear may be, it's going to be a, a huge challenge. Yeah. So anything that we can do as integrators to help make that more seamless 
for the client? My, my thing is this, is when it comes to house of worship, you have two things. First, yes, you have you, most of the time, and yes, there are people who have large churches. Most of the time, though, you're talking about a primary volunteer group. When you start getting into churches that are two, three, and 4,000 and above, uh, then yes, you're going to have one or two full, uh, full-time people, but every, mo- most churches are not that big. Uh, Michael and I uh, was doing some research for Church Production Magazine, not for them, but about them. And one of the stats they said is there was 300, there's 300,000 houses of worship in the U.S. That's like their target market. There are not 300,000, you know, 5,000 seat auditoriums. There are not 300,000, 10,000 seats. You're talking about churches that are between two and 500 seats. That's the average size, I would say. You know, and I could mm-hmm. be wrong about that. No, that was right. So when you're talking about that side of a church, you're talking about a ni- 99.9% of the time, you're talking about a volunteer army. And from my perspective, I would say you, you ingratiate yourself to the volunteers and you make it as easy for them as possible. And as much as Grass Valley makes a wonderfully beautiful switcher, it's also incredibly confusing because it looks like the starship. It looks like a, a spaceship uh, interface with all the buttons and the T-bars. and What? Keep going. I, it, so you, I'm saying you have to make it as, as easy as possible. I'm not saying go put a TriCaster in, but I'm saying you know there's a happy medium in there somewhere. You know, between a broadcast quality switcher that costs one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and a, a truck in a box. But, but I think you're confusing what what the article was saying and what I was referring to. Uh, twenty eight input, forty input switcher is not what every environment needs. No. Right? There's some very nice. I mean, Panasonic for a long time had a little eight input eight SDI switcher mm-hmm. that was what four thousand yes. dollars. Beautiful little switcher, right? It was SDI, but you know. Exa- <laughs> But that's a good thing, right? No, <laughs> oh, come on. You're still running S-Video, man. You're, it's not a good thing. <laughs> ooh, ooh. That, that hurts. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. Let's keep it a fair <laughs> I mean, really. So, see, 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 now, 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 he's starting to, to now he's starting to scratch me up here because, mm. you know, I've been fighting this battle a long time. Um, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, but what is more simple than saying camera one, camera two on a push button? What, what you're talking about is teaching an interface where you got to understand. Okay, so we can get into that whole debate, but really what, what it comes down to is that even for the smaller churches today, media and production is where they're at. They're, it, it they're, is, they're striving and, and it goes back that. to Kevin's point about being a hobbyist. Yes. And, and you, all of us kind of, kind of have at some time in our life gra- grabbed our, wrapped our brain around this concept of what people see at the house, they expect at other places where they live. Right. And if you're not there in, in the house of worship environment, then you're going to be discounted in some way, whether it's, you know, it, you, it, they, don't, they may not do it consciously, but if you don't have a widescreen projector and it's an HD and, and this, that, and the other, then you're going to be discounted in, in, in some manner. So. Well, and, and one of the things that we've talked about extensively is do you do a, a subpar three camera shoot or do you spend your money on one really good camera and do your graphic overlays and things like that and post for your, your web production. Yeah. Because you, you got to hit people where they're at. We're, our generation is a consumer of, excuse me, the market that uh, these guys are trying to hit are media consumers. They consume media where they want, how they want. And it's, it's um, uh, at different levels of quality, right? Well, the higher the quality you can deliver and maintain that latch with that viewer, right, whatever that is, the better off you're going to be in delivering your message. 
And see, I would disagree with that. I would, but, but that's the whole premise that we've built this podcast on, right? One of the things that George and George, help me out here, buddy. That one of the things that people comment us on is the quality of our podcast. It's the audio quality. People like it because it sounds good. It's not, um, you, you know, it's not this a, a bunch of guys on the phone talking about a bunch of boring stuff. It's the content. It's the the production quality. It's the technical quality that people like about it, and that's no different than the House of Worship. I think well, they I'm, like it because Kevin's sexy. It's a quality. By the way, guys, being in studio <laughs> with him goodness. is not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> oh, man, I was going to say, I thought it was my good looks and amazing repartee that brought everybody Well, I wasn't going to. It, it is. It is. <laughs> it is your good looks. So anyway, we need to. Michael, Michael, needs somebody, Michael needs somebody that has less hair than he does. So. <laughs> What I'm gonna what I'm gonna say is let's yang. let's take this story and let's put it on the next Howcast and let's hash all it right, out. Right. Yeah, let's get Matt Scott and let's hash this one out. I'm gonna knock you out. <laughs> you are listening to AV Week. That's Kevin Icelia over there across from me with the black eye is Michael Drainer. George Tucker is in New York. He works for World Stage. And Chris Tatney, you can you can chime in here anytime too because <laughs> I was just gonna stay out of the way. No, nah, no. Nah. You know, you know, Michael. Yeah, exactly. Tim's problem is he he gets uh, he gets a little shaky and and scared when he sees all those buttons and knobs. <laughs> oh man! Wow! It's the intimidation factor. It is. Oh my! All right, next you story. <laughs> yep. All right, from Gizmodo, the seven absolutely worst tech gifts to give this holiday season. The one that I found fascinating was the Google TV. Come on, don't hate on Google TV. It's terrible. No, it's not. It's getting better. Ice cream sandwich. It's getting better. It's getting better. Roku, all the way. <sighs> really? <laughs> uh, down the list real quick, and we'll, we'll have you guys. Chris, we'll start with you. A cheap Android tablet, and I think that that's kind of you know synonymous. Um, uh, an iPod Touch. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> A digital picture frame, yeah. Um, yeah. A, a, a point-and-shoot camera, Google TV, as we say. Um, I don't even know what Beats by Dre is, so I'll just you know keep it there. And um, actually, I'd comment on that one. Okay. Uh, the Beats yeah. by Dre. That basically the <laughs> we knew he would <laughs> put put out by Monster. Mm-hmm. Monster um, Cable. Yeah. Evil. What aren't they now? Monster Inc. Yeah. I think so. And they shortly thereafter I'm started you, suing. Guys got you know, a pimp segue. That's that's all I can say. It, like a monster by any other name is still not a rose, gentlemen. <laughs> but uh, I actually own a pair of the earbud uh, Beats, and they're fantastic. Um, so they went off hating on uh, on the whole Beats thing for the like the cans, you know, the regular yeah. over the ear type. And those things are fantastic, too. I mean, it, of course, everyone's going to yell at price, and that's what they actually did in one of the articles. But, um, uh, hell, if someone wants to buy me a pair of those, I'll take them. <laughs> the, the thing that I always thought <laughs> that was weird about Beats by Dre was when HP started advertising laptops with Beats by Dre in them. I was like, <laughs> really? A laptop with Beats by Dre? What's great? Do you have a speaker that's larger than an inch in diameter or some sort right. of great new sound card? Or, or what exactly is new other than the sticker on the front? Well, they also made a good point to say that, you know, the guy hasn't put out an album in 12 years. <laughs> 12 years. Yeah. 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 No, but Eminem has, and, you know, they're buddies. And I yeah, know, my... You know, the, the, the funny thing about this gift list, right, is that it's sort of like trying to buy clothes for your teenage daughter. Don't. Don't oh. do it. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're a tech head yourself, ask. 
or don't buy it because I mean, I mean, look, the worst gift I ever got tech was the Casio Diary. Got it from my first one. It's cool, and her, her her reasoning was, well, it's got a big manual. You'll love it. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> That's like buying I mean, a Salvini I mean, look, we're talking early days here, ninety-three or so, but still, you know, it's it's, it's like buying teen, uh, clothes for your teenage daughter or certain types of clothing for your wife, unless she's in on it. Don't do it, people. I have trained um, my wife. Conversely, though. Huh? Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I, no, I have trained that? my wife not to uh, not to purchase me anything technically related unless she has an exact model number that I have given her to <laughs> exactly. buy. Exactly. Yeah. See, well, look with the headphones. Do, my wife, my wife bought me headphones. I would not go to those those skull candies or those monsters. I bought my Sony MDR V6s, baby. But she asked. <laughs> I said, "This is the model number. Here's the page on so and so store to get it." What I find the best way to do this is, like, if you go to those, you know, electronic stores or wherever you're at, um, this is how I do it, right? You go up to that product that you want to get or something like that, and you just kind of stare at it for a while, and you get the puppy dog eyes going. And sooner or later, the wife comes by and looks. She says, what are you looking at? And you just kind of go, oh, oh nothing. And then you just kind of walk away. And then she looks at the box, gets the model number, and that's what you see under the tree. Can your wife call my wife, please? Yeah, let's get oh, let's get all because, three of them together. Yeah, mine. I, I tried that with the <laughs> iPad. I tried that with the new TV. I tried that with an Xbox 360. Well, see, that's the whole thing, though. In well, my house, I'm in charge of electronics. Oh. Here, here's my question for you, then. What is the worst best gift you've ever received as a tech guy for Christmas or the uh, worst, or worst or best gift? A Best Buy gift card. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. There you yeah. go. Right. Is that worst or best? Oh man, yes. my, my family used to buy me tons of those things, and I would turn around and sell them to people. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, since we're talking about the you know the worst gifts, what do you guys think are some of the best gifts? I still think an iPad is a, is a pretty cool gift, but you know. Whoa. Hint, hint, hint. Easy, bud. Yes, but which one? Holster that credit card. And, well, you, you didn't say how much. <laughs> okay, th- no, so I, I'd love an, a DM system with a TPS 6X, so hint, hint. Make sure you send him the edible arrangement, okay? Yes, I was going to say edible, uh, edible flower cookies by design. Here we go. Yes, cookies. <laughs> Mr. Titan. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard, you know, to, to, to determine. I, I consider myself a geek of all kinds, and I love looking at tech stuff. I'm on Gizmodo at least once a day. And there's so much stuff that I want, but I can't ask for it because it's ridiculously expensive, and I feel bad asking for something that costs so much money. You know, so it, it, I think it's hard to find a good tech gift these days, you know. I, 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 I'm a computer geek down at heart. You know, maybe a new graphics card is nice. Well, let but, me, yeah, that's reasonable, though. Yeah, let me ask something, though, because we're all the ones roughly of the, of the same age. <laughs> Have we gotten to the point where, you know what, I, I've got stuff that I want I, I, or that I need. Um, when, it, when it comes to technology, though, I don't want anybody purchasing mm-hmm. it for me. That, that's if like I somebody, want it, I'm yeah. going to get it. No, no, no. I'd, I'd rather them purchase it for me. I just want to give them the model number, like George said, right? But the stuff is, it just, it's like, oh, you want to buy point, the stuff that I want, though, is a minimum two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. Oh, you want to buy me a Lexicon MC12 for twelve thousand dollars? Sure, I'll take that. <laughs> right. Make sure you get the one with the white face plate, right? Yeah. Yeah, Kaleidoscape for seventy-six thousand. Yeah. Sure, I'll take that. Fresh from the yeah. please. Thanks. Yeah, it's one thing to buy oh, tech gifts for the for the non. Awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
it's one thing to buy tech gifts for the non-tech savvy and for the non-geeks. It's another thing to buy tech gifts for guys like us that, you know, we're just picky. You know, I tried yeah. to buy my wife a purse one year, and that was the biggest mistake I ever made. Ooh, why oh, why did dude, you do I got that? that yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, I, was, that I, was a big I, mistake. So, so and, and likewise, she doesn't buy me electronics anymore. So, you know, that's it, just the way it goes. Um, but I do have to say my favorite one on here was the 4G phone. Well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but he hey, says, hey, hang by, on for a second. Hey, he by says the way, thanks for the five hundred forty dollars yearly bill. <laughs> he, he says it's from not only from that, but but Michael and I live in St. Louis. There is no four G here. Well, there is. There's four G across the river well, in St. Louis. In St. Louis, but we live on the Illinois side of the river, and it stops right at the bridge. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, George is in water. in New York. Kevin's up in Chicago. Um, Chris, I don't know if there's 4G where you are, but but absolutely there is. See, so I mean, yeah. well, Kevin's been here; he knows we're in Hoda oh, yeah. Town. You know, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's GPS says I don't know where you are when when he hits Alton. Yeah. No, no, as soon as I cross the river, it just it just gives me a screen that says "Good luck." <laughs> <laughs> One big star, fast Eddie's Bonaire. It says turn there. left at the cow and go ten miles. <laughs> uh, real quick, and I'm, I'm not going to. Thank on George, but you you mentioned the Roku. I said you know, Google TV. I think is cool. I, I'm going to challenge you on something because I like the Roku, but Michael turned me on to the Western Digital. Awesome! I like the Western Digital. Love it. I love the Western. So let, let's hash this out a bit. Let's let's do some some tit a tat. I like the Western Digital over the Roku. Uh, for a number of reasons, it, it, it's easier. The interface is easier. My five year old already has it down. Uh, the Western Digital, she can turn it on, she can go find Netflix, she can go find her movies that are on the hard drive. Everything about it I think is cool, and, and, and they've, they've integrated Hulu Plus now, if, you, if, you, if that's your deal. They've got YouTube on there, the whole bit. Pandora. Pandora. So, so give me some, some pushback when it comes to, to Roku. Why should I do that over, over Western Digital? They're a small startup. I like, I like shopping local. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Nice. You know what? If you had a little old tinker in the in the basement making Roku's, yes, I could buy the whole buy digital thing <laughs> or buy a local thing. I mean, no, for, it's just where, where are you going to find you know that device that actually will sync and store its DLNA? You can actually search for other media centers uh, on your network, uh, as well as it will it can copy local, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got a terabit drive built into it. If you have the TV live plus, right. Yes. Or TV mm-hmm. live hub. Sorry. Yep. Um, and it's 200 bucks. Well, and that's the, that's the, the plus one, the hub. And for a hundred bucks, you can that get the live. Yeah. I well, yeah. Here's the best part about it. I have the IP control module for it. Oh, <laughs> so it's, geez. yeah. Says, says the Crestron so, yeah, guy. Yeah, there you go. So that thing's buried in my basement in my rack, and I route it through my house, right? It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> through DM, no well, you know, this, this This does of sort of segue, though, into that, that article, uh, is your TV, if the TV's not broke, why fix it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because we're all sort of circling that. Um, of, you know, I read this article. And my first response was to quote the late Harry Morgan and go, horse hockey. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the article basically states there's nothing wrong with TV. Most of us just want to be stupid and sit in front of whatever it presents to us and vegetate. Mm-hmm. And this is from Business Insider. I mean, if it wasn't from Business Insider, I would have thought it was some you know, cable TV lobbying white paper. Because uh, Business Insider doesn't tend to be very nice to those guys in general. But uh, you guys are say, saying the same thing I am. I want to be a cord cutter. The only reason I don't cut the cord right now is because I don't want to buy the NHL package online and I want to watch my New York Rangers. But otherwise, I want to get rid of it completely and just watch it on my 
Google TV, my Western Digital Box. I'd rather find that media and set it up for myself. I know. But you know, to supplement your your uh, your comment, George, I- I'm with you. I-, I would love to do nothing more than just that because, you know, if you're a, okay, I'm not going to say who the companies are. Of course, we know who we know who all the providers are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're dealing with the providers, what what incentive do you have to use their service? Because okay, you you get to watch all the commercials. But see, now to me, the whole thing with these other streaming things, Hulu Plus, even in you still have to watch the damn commercials, pardon my French, but yeah, you, you still have mm-hmm. these commercials. Yeah. I'm like, okay, if we really want to fix TV, let's get rid of advertisements. Or I got it better yet. Let's make an advertisement streaming channel, right? If that's all you want to do. Because <laughs> you mean you don't happened? stay up at 3 o'clock in the morning watching infomercials? <clears throat> well, but see, well, here's the thing, though. There, <clears throat> and that's, there, there's, oh, wait, but there's a social, social trade-off that we've conditioned ourselves exactly. over the last 50, 60 years is – we, we Americans don't pay for content. Let's start with that because our social contract says that we'll sit through a minute, maybe two minutes worth of, worth of commercials. I get it. I'm being advertised to, and then I get to watch my, my content. Yeah, that's where the skip button comes in. Like, uh, well, yeah, but that, that, that's, that's my whole thing here, though. I love my DVR, right? But Tim I, is right, though. I, We've I, made this social contract. Yes. Yes. But there's a way around it, actually. And And... Yes, I agree. The ads are annoying, and I skip them all the time, too, despite what I've just said. But um, uh, if you get to know the writer Kevin Kelly, uh, he was the um, creator of the Whole Earth, Whole Earth catalog and yes. one of the, one of the mm-hmm. original editors at Wired. He has pro- uh, pushed forward this idea of the thousand true fans. Are you familiar with it? Mm-mm. I've heard it's, of it. It's the, it's the concept of how many fans do you need as a performer, content provider, whatever, in order to make money to live on? The idea is the seminal number of a thousand true fans who pay X amount of dollars a year to you, and you can make your money and make your content. Now it's a little more dicey when you're doing TV shows, of course, because you've got to have you know more money for the actors and the equipment. But still, there's a model there. I mean, I'm sure it's what they use to sell advertising, but you can do this content where they do it right to you. Uh, I know there's a bunch of channels out there that do this. That that all they are doing is saying, "Guys, send me a few bucks, and we'll produce content." Well, and there there are there are there are mechanisms. Uh, Kickstarter is is a, a popular right. uh, website, and I actually I gave twenty five bucks to a a firefighter film that that um, Dennis Leary was promoting uh, because I like Dennis Leary. I like Rescue Me. He got involved in this whole thing, and it's twenty five bucks. It was twenty five bucks. It was no big deal, but there was you know ten thousand of me that helped them get this project off the ground. They made it. They and they didn't they didn't charge my my credit card in, until they they met their goal. They met their goal, charged my credit card 25 bucks. I think I get an MP3 and a, and a ringtone from Dennis Leary saying I'm sort of something profane. Um, but, but it's Dennis Leary. Uh, but it, it's, a, it's a unique – it's kind of that thing, though. It's a thousand true fans saying, yes, I think your project is worthwhile. Here's five, ten bucks. But you get enough of those people, and yeah, you, you can do your thing. Mm-hmm. And can this model be extrapolated into a larger form? I think it probably could, mm-hmm. but – you know, that's the only other answer, though, because we're having this argument of, no, I don't want TV because it forces me to watch commercials, but who's paying for the content? So you, we are getting to this model that they've been trying to push for a long time. I mean, Microsoft wanted you in the 90s and the 80s to pay for an online version of Word, right? And we all went, how oh, dare you? I want my stuff on my computer. And where are we now? <laughs> we're paying a cloud service in some way or form to store our stuff and use their tools online rather than have it on a local computer. And we mm-hmm. think it's great. No, we just don't deal with the ads on the, on the right yeah. side. <laughs> we, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're all open standards, open. 
<laughs> and well, I'm sorry, Chris, I didn't hear that. To the point, Michael, we are all coin operated. Yeah, oh, yeah, we, we no, are. absolutely, we are. There's no question about that. Uh, you are listening to AV Week. Kevin Isley, Chris Tatton, uh, George Tucker, and Michael Drainer. Don't quick, forget about you. I, I am nobody, so I'm 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 the voice behind the curtain. Um, I don't mean anything. I don't mean Okay, anything. who opened the curtain? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Toto did, actually. Um, <laughs> Not the artist, either. <laughs> wow. That was... You are the king of non-sequiturs this week. <laughs> Just take them out of nowhere, man. You do. Uh, for Mashable, this is from the New York Times R&D Lab. And if you didn't know, New York Times does have like a little um, lab where they develop things and say, hey, wouldn't this be cool? It's a mirror that shows you your weather and, you know, TV and this, that, and the other. My first thought, uh, if you are familiar with the movie Total Recall, uh, this is the the screen that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was watching in the morning when he was eating breakfast in, in that movie. But that's basically what it is. It's, it's a computer that shows you a mirror and also shows you weather and news and sports and, and this, that, and the other. Um, I think it's cool. George, do you think this is you know, like the next best best thing, or is just this this is the the NYT just kind of you know playing around with money? Oh no, I think it's absolutely plausible, and I'm actually shocked that it isn't a viable product already. Right. I mean, that was my first reaction was like, what, you mean there really isn't one yet? I mean, I know that uh, a certain manufacturer's product that's large enough and glossy enough that you could use it as a mirror, but this may threaten <laughs> that kind of line. A certain manufacturer, um, but. I like the idea a lot because I tell you, I listen to the news and to the BBC early in the morning and stuff like that. And I'd love to be able to have that in one place where I can move it around, see the links, do that while I'm shaving. I think that, that might be akin to doing texting while driving, but, you know. Well, that's not, not to interject. I, I, I read this article the other day and while How I was shaving – I know. While I was shaving this morning, <laughs> I actually thought about this article and, 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 and how it would work for me. And – it just didn't seem to to work for me, you know. I I don't know how I feel about holding a razor against my face and then trying to read the news at the same time. <laughs> I mean, the, the human eye doesn't exactly have the greatest depth of field, so I don't know how I'm supposed to, you know, focus, you know, on the the sharp steel against my face and something half of that focal length away. Um, I think it's what, cool what are you for. Talking about? Don't you do it in the car? What text and drive? No, <laughs> text and drive. All right, you got the electric razor right. going. Maybe email. Drinking your latte. You know what? And this is the last time I'm riding with you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> While driving a stick shift. Yes. Um, but you know, I think it's cool for things like you know having the the weather for the day and stuff like that up there, and and. and but I just don't know how how I feel about you know trying to read news articles while I'm in front of the mirror. It, it it just doesn't seem to work for me. And the whole gesture control thing, I know it's been discussed before, but I don't want to feel like I'm doing the robot in my bathroom. Yes, but you will be eventually. Either that or oh, talking to it. Oh, come on. Everything has to be gestures. Even TV commercials have gestures on them. The I swipe. got a gesture for it. Oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, this is a clean yeah. podcast. It's, gonna, it, 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 it's a really cool proof of technology type thing. Like, look what we can do with this mirror and, and, and put these overlays on it. Just that I think the applications that they picked just weren't really that interesting. Can, yeah, or, I, I'm, 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 question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going to ask two questions, and then you guys can 
No, you're, only, you're limited one. to one, please. Here's two questions. One, for those of you who have, know what I look like and have seen me in person, <laughs> do you think I really want to stand in front of a mirror and do that? Because, <laughs> no, number one, I avoid mirrors like you know, vampires avoid sunlight. That's all right. I think <laughs> and, they avoid you, too. <laughs> yeah. And secondly... Um, if this is a mirror thing and, you know, you get the whole sitting down and uh, having breakfast, uh, where are you going to put a mirror in your kitchen? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Well, but I mean, we said right. the same thing about the multi-touch for a table and people are starting to implement this right. very quickly. And I'll make a prediction here. Just like the multi-touch table started at NYU as an experiment and quickly became a product. I, I think this one has some legs because I got to tell you, I don't have a problem shaving like that. And I use a, a blade. And, you know, with the bald head, it's all feel anyway. You get to the point where you're doing the back of the head, you know, you, you're, it's all feel. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be able to look at it while I'm shaving, going, there's the stocks, and there's my numbers, and there's the zip, you know, the little news going by. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe for the two and a half minutes I'm brushing my teeth, then it makes sense. But I already have devices that can deliver all the content that I need. I don't need and, – and, and heaven forbid that thing takes my, my, my brushing my teeth motion as some sort of odd gesture and displays – something who knows what <laughs> well the gesture i'm with you on i'm with you on the gesture buddy yeah. oh, you imagine what that gesture would translate no to i don't no, want we don't to. want to either <laughs> this is a clear you, you show. know what you know what though this is not that far-fetched though and, and and i'm kind of with george on this one i think this is something that is going to become a mainstream product i don't know about all the interactivity but you know four or five years ago when i was working for the broadcast group we did this for our CEO. We actually put an LCD display behind a two-way mirror in his bathroom so he could watch his stocks, his news, and all that stuff while he's shaving, brushing his teeth. So, you know, there are other people that have done things like that. It's not that much different. All they're doing is adding the interactivity element to it. Okay, I say wow because I was going to say, Michael, the 80s call. They want their technology back. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I asked the two questions. Max, Max, Max Power this. came through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Max Headroom, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I will. I will make a comment though. This seems like it's a new article, but uh, for at least I want to say at least the past eight months, they've had in uh, <laughs> for those of you who haven't been here, of course, uh, in at O'Hare Airport in the, the American Airlines terminal, uh, a lot of the restrooms, the the mirrors are actually display yes. boards. Yes. With motion sensors that yeah. when you walk up, the commercial goes to a small window in the corner and the rest is a mirror surface. Yep. And when you break that, that motion capture, or the, I'm sorry, not motion capture, but when you break that sensor, the ad goes full screen again. So it's like, yeah, okay, now we're just adding a little interactivity to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. It's the future. It still won't make me a latte. No, but it'll make hey, you cut your face. That's because you didn't make the right gesture. What would be the gesture for latte? A little swirly. Uh, yeah, you got to like swirl it down or something. A, yeah, you have to make the steaming milk sound the too. Milk. Yes. Yeah, yep. And then tie into your Keurig in the other room, and there you go. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, this has been AV Week. <laughs> Uh, Despite what you a very, a very demented A V week. Yeah, I don't know where. Where did we go wrong? I know. Three, two, one. That's where I went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Drainer is across from me. Uh, he is the system manager for Sound A V for Tech Electronics. What would you like to promote through your your blog, your Twitter, what? Uh, you can find me at michaeldrainer.com. Uh, also at michaeldrainer. Was that my crowd going crazy? That's that was that was the that was the latte. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> Sorry, that was me. That uh, at was, Michael I'm in a warehouse. And then you'll always find me it's somewhere on the AV Nation site as well. Uh, George Tucker uh, is the engineering coordinator for World Stage. George's is 
tucker2s.typepad.com. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to doing my own domain. I'm a little lazy. Is that it? Is that, did I get it right? Yes, you okay, got it. There we go. You got it. He's also at Tucker2s. On, on I'm Twitter. also on worldstage.squarespace.com, soon to be. Worldstage.com? Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. We have our own blog now. And uh, George uh, has recently started a new podcast called DIY. Check it out. It, uh, it landed today. So uh, check that out on the Aviation website. Thank Chris, you very much for that. Chris Tatton, hopefully you'll come back even though <laughs> in, in spite <laughs> of, this, of this show. <laughs> Uh, he's a senior systems programmer for HB Communications. Thank you so much. Or do you have a Twitter or a blog or something you'd like to? Uh, I, I I do have a, a newly minted Twitter account, Chris underscore Tatton, T A T T O N. T A T T O N. Think of tattoo. It's not Tatton. It's Tatton. Tatton. Exactly. There we go. What the hell are you talking about? Why? Well, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> and that would be Kevin Iselli, <laughs> my buddy from Crestron. Who needs no introduction. Who needs and <laughs> deserves. It's actually from Wobbler Mangrove. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a Twitter that you use. I guess you could go to Crestron.com and, and look him up. He's in the Midwest, but he's all over because he is the senior curriculum developer. Meaning I'm old. You're not old. You're the same age as I am. Thus old. Oh, yes. shut yes. up. You're just in the denial phase. <laughs> oh, my. Actually, this is a stupid story. I, I teach, I'm an adjunct teacher here at Lewis and Clark. And for the first time in, in my teaching career, I had a student inform me that she was born the same year I graduated high school. Didn't you just want to punch her in the yes. face? Yes. It's like, yeah. oh, goodness. Okay, I'll go bye bye now. Uh, that would be me, would be Tim Albright. Uh, you can find me on Twitter if you'd like. T, D as in David Albright, A-L-B-R-I-G-H-T. But more importantly, please go by the website, avnation.tv. avnation.tv, we have two brand spanking new uh, podcasts in addition to this one. One is called Howcast. The other one is the DIY show. And in about two weeks, we will have another one, a staging show. That's also uh, from the mind of George Tucker. So... Uh, check yes, be that afraid. Out. Be very afraid. <laughs> be afraid. That's yeah. a scary, scary place. Uh, <laughs> it is kind of scary. Um, you should know, brother. But uh, but check it out. Avnation.tv. We have a survey there, so you can tell us what we do right, what we do wrong. Uh, it's just a way for us to make the website and also the podcast uh, better. Uh, so check that out. Avnation.tv. Thank you very much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week. 